Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. All right. Good morning, class. How's everyone doing, okay? So we'll give you everyone a second to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 11. And then we'll pray and get started. Romans chapter 1, verses 11. And we may get to verse 12. Okay, let's stand to pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for the privilege and the opportunity to speak to you openly as your children in prayer. We come through our mediator, Jesus Christ, in your divine spirit. We yield before you today, knowing, precious Lord, that you are the ultimate teacher, and we ask you to open our eyes, open our ears, and open the closed windows of understanding in our hearts, that we may hear your words, discern your truth, and therein live it throughout our Christian lives. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. amen. So Romans chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, the Apostle Paul says, For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. The Apostle Paul longed, he yearned, he desired to go and to visit the people at the church in Rome. And the reason why is simple because he was demonstrating and had within his heart the genuine spiritual fruit of love. How do we know that? Because what love seeks to do is love seeks to give. Just as for God so loved the world that he gave us his son Jesus, the Apostle Paul genuinely had a spiritual love for those individuals in the church at Rome, so he wanted to go there so he could give them something. He could gift them with a spiritual gift. And this is an important point to make. Because in the Christian life, if you are always seeking to give something, guess what? You're never going to be unsatisfied. You know why? Because the world is needy, because people are needy. Anyone, anywhere, at any time on God's green earth always needs something. So if you wake up in the morning and you say, how can I give? How can I give someone else? You have infinite possibilities. However, if you live the Christian life and you say, what can I get? won't last. You will crumble in a very short period of time because of, listen, I'm going to be honest. You have to be a little bit crazy 
to want to serve in the church because the amount of input you give into your labor, speaking naturally now, we're not talking in spiritual terms, talking in natural terms, the amount of efforts and labors people put in is often not matched by what they get. It, that's validated by the history of saints in the Bible. You have prophets, you have apostles. Look at what they did to the Son of God. They killed him. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, and what people said was, God, we don't want you. But that is what Christian service, Christian ministry is. It's out of the posture of love, always seeking to gift and to give other people, knowing you as an individual are never giving of yourself by your own resources. Who is your source? It's God. And his treasures, his reservoir of riches and mercies and graces is infinite. So he pours his graces and blessings into you. You are now filled. What do you now do? You empty yourself out for God's people, the church, and for the world at large. So out of a genuine posture of love, the Apostle Paul seeks to go at Rome so that he may give. Because as I said last week, the minute someone is genuinely born again and is now incorporated into the family of God, they not only have an interest for themselves, but for other children in God's family. So the Apostle Paul says, for I long to see you so that. That word denotes purpose. Paul longs to see the people so that he may impart some spiritual gift. What's Paul talking about? What is this spiritual gift? Well, firstly, we know it's a spiritual gift. He's not bringing them chocolate and flowers, right? Because the text says it's a spiritual gift, and spiritual gifts are not given by men. Spiritual gifts are given by God. But Paul gives us a clue as to what this gift is by telling us what this gift is for. He says, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. Now, when we were introducing why we were studying the book of Romans, this is maybe the first or second lesson. We talked about why we were studying Romans because the Apostle Paul wrote it to establish people. And that's why we were studying it, so we could be established. So what does that word mean? Established. To tell others about the word, that's a result or a fruit of being established. But what does being established actually mean? To be established simply means to be put in place and to develop roots, right? So now we are firmly grounded, firmly rooted in what? The truth of the Word of God. Because what Paul explains in the book of Romans are foundational truths of God's Word. So that when an individual is now established in the truth, what's now in them? The truth, 
which now they live, they eat, they breathe, their character, what they communicate to other people is the truth of God's word. Now someone tell me, because I gave you the answer in, my, in the explanation I just, give, I just gave. There is only one prescribed means in the Bible, there's one by which a person may be established, by which a person may be firmly rooted. The Word of God. That is it. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. God hath the creed. The means by which any person from the beginning of time to when Jesus comes back, the means by which they will be firmly planted in God's soil is by the Word of God. What does Romans 12, 1 to 2 say? It does not say be transformed by experience or by feelings or what someone else says. It's by the renewing of your mind. What goes into our mind? God's Word. What does Romans 10, 17 say? That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This book is not living and breathing, the, the, the Bible I have in front of me, but recorded on these pages are literally the words that God breathed out. So it makes perfect sense that when we, as finite human beings, immerse ourselves in the breath that God breathed out, we're going to have a greater and greater understanding of who God is and His truth. So the only route, beloved, by which any Christian may be established, firmly rooted, grounded, is by the Word of God. Now someone tell me, because we're about to read a scripture verse from this book. Which book of the Bible, hint New Testament, which book's big theme is ecclesiology? or the study of the church, what it's supposed to do. Hint, it was an epistle wrote to a church in a particular place. The book of Ephesians. So use that E as a hint. Ephesians, Ecclesiology. The book in the New Testament that tells us about what the church is and what it's supposed to do is the book of Ephesians. Now here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 15. Because if the means by which a Christian becomes established is by the Word of God, what is the organization, what, what is the institution whose primary responsibility it is to preach and teach the Word of God, the church. This makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because the people of God, who now come together as one, we congregate in order to do what? To sit under the Word of God so we all may be established. Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. Here's what it says. And he, God, gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for, let's say this again, 
These verses are going to tell us what the main purpose of the church is. Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. And he, God, gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for, for what purpose? For, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, God gave all those individuals to preach and teach the word so that people may be established. Now, what are the results of being established. Verses 14 to 15 tell us, as a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So if we carry this analogy further, this makes perfect logical sense. Because if we are firmly established and rooted somewhere, and we have strong biblical roots, guess what? We can't be uprooted. We can't be shaken. Because the, the, uh, the foundation upon which we are established is now solid. So that when a wind of false doctrine or when philosophies and ideas of men come blowing past us, we're not going to waver. We're not going to tip over because we are well established. As Jesus says in John 17, 17, when he's praying to the Father, he says, sanctify them in the truth. What is truth? Jesus tells us, your word is the truth. Now, I took the long way around to validate one point that the spiritual gift the Apostle Paul intended to impart to the people in the church at Rome was preaching and teaching the Word of God. Who was the Apostle Paul? What was his, of his office? An apostle, one who was sent. Sent to do what? To preach the gospel, to preach the truth, to establish people based upon God's Word. Now, we're going to consider a hypothetical to formalize this idea. Paul says, I want to come see you guys, impart to you some spiritual gift. I'm going to teach you God's truth. Does the Bible talk about spiritual gifts in general? Who says yes? Who says no? <laughs> Who's undecided? The Bible does talk about spiritual gifts. What do I mean by that? Such as the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of speaking in tongues. Where do we read about that? We read about that in Romans 12, 6 to 8, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, and 1 Corinthians 12, verses 28 to 30. 
Now, now let's consider a hypothetical. So we already know the gift that Paul intended to impart was the truth of God's word, preaching and teaching. Okay, that's established. Let's consider this. Would Paul be doing the people in the church at Rome a service or a disservice if he just gave them a spiritual gift, like he arrived at their doorstep and healed people, or he arrived at their doorstep and gifted someone with the gift of speaking in tongues? We know that can't happen because it's a gift only imparted by God, but we're considering a hypothetical. Let's consider this. Which would be more advantageous to the church as a whole? Being preached and taught the word of God or being benefited with miraculous spiritual gifts? Preaching and teaching the word. Good. Why? Amen. So if I'm going to shortly summarize, basically the word is going to benefit them more. And here's the reason why. As we already established, church, there is but one means to establish someone, the word of God. Guess what? Spiritual gifts don't establish you. Let's think about this logically. You walk into a church every single Sunday for 50 years. You see no speaking in tongues. You see no miracles. You see nothing miraculous. The only thing you hear is preaching and teaching from this book. According to God, you will be sanctified in the truth. Let's consider another hypothetical. You are now a person, you walk into a church Sunday after Sunday for 50 years, and each and every Sunday you are dazzled by signs and wonders. You see speaking in tongues, you see limbs growing, you see all these things which blow your mind. Guess what? All of that will do nothing to establish you. Realize, church, in the New Testament, there are many instances of Jesus healing people of diseases, but the Bible never says everyone who was healed got saved. The, Jesus exercised demons from people, but the Bible never ever says that, were, that people who were miraculously healed by him actually turned to Jesus Christ in saving faith. Signs and wonders served a, a greater purpose in the apostolic era to validate the messengers, to validate those who were sent by God. But if a Christian is fed a diet of miracle signs and wonders, that is just spiritual candy. That is not the truth that will never, ever edify them. Again, the only thing which establishes us is God's truth. So, going back to a hypothetical, if Paul went to that church and the only thing he did was perform a sign or a wonder, but, didn't act, but did not actually 
teach God's people the truth, he would be doing them a disservice. He would not be fulfilling his apostolic commission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Because as Romans 10:17 says, faith does not come, sanctification does not come by signs and wonders. It comes by the truth of God's word. As Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, quote, the spiritual butterflies are the people who don't know sound doctrine, end quote. Meaning what? It is the doctrine which establishes us, grows us, matures us. So now when we hear something alien, when we hear something foreign, we immediately detect it. Because guess what, church? God in the kingdom of light has a plan to establish you in sound doctrine. Guess who else has a plan? The kingdom of darkness. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to establish you in the lie. And he wants to make sure you are so well ingrained, you are so well indoctrinated, your roots are so deep and thick in the lie, when someone now preaches and teaches the truth, you don't want to move because you are now well established in that which is of the darkness. So again, the only way to grow, in God, to grow in sanctification is by God's truth, and the only way that the church overall will be able to detect the lie or to detect an error is if they're, they're well familiar with God's truth. So as we established in the very beginning, Paul writes this letter and he seeks to establish those in the church at Rome. Because even though these people were converted, even though these people knew God, their conversion was not the end. Their conversion or beginning to know God was the start of their Christian life. And now as they grow, they must be established. Good. Any questions on verse 11 and being established? Okay. So verse number 12 says, I'll read 11 and 12. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established, verse 12, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. So in verse number 11, Paul says, I want to come and visit you so I may impart a gift. In verse number 12, what Paul says is that when I arrive there, this delivery of gifts is not going to be one way because Paul also realizes when he begins fellowshipping with those in the church at Rome, he is going to receive spiritual gifts from other people. What does he mean by that? By seeing what the power of God has done in people's lives in turning them away from darkness into God's life. When a man of God now sees what God has done in the lives of real people, 
that now acts as a means of encouragement to Paul, which tells us something immediately, that no person, regardless of calling or office or legacy, is above gaining something from the fellowship of the saints. Because now you have the Apostle Paul, who is probably the most well-educated, the most qualified theologian on planet Earth. And what is he saying? When he goes to a church and is amongst people, who probably were formerly pagans, who are babes in Christ, he can now actually gain benefit and encouragement from them. Because that is not evidence of the people themselves, that is evidence of the power of God. This is not in the Bible, but a maxim of life is that like attracts like. People like sameness or familiarity, so they gravitate towards things that they are used to. So people of God who sit under the banner of God gravitate towards one another, but people are now encouraged when they see what life does, see what faith does in the life of others. Church is very simple about human psychology. Human beings are naturally picked up and lifted up when other people encourage them. Simple. And that's just a fact of human nature. Why do you think people go to therapists so much? Therapists don't actually write them any medication. They just tell them things like, you can do it. They tell them things like, you can get through this. They tell them things like, you are not a failure. And that works because human beings are encouraged by others. So now, when you have a bunch of people who have been invigorated and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life when, when, when John Doe was feeling down, but Jane Doe now sits next to him and she's exhorting him and encouraging him and telling him how, I went through the same thing, John, and this is how God helped me. That is now going to uplift and to encourage the community of saints overall. So Paul, even though he's the Apostle Paul, is humble enough to realize that in the body or in the church of God, he's not the whole body. You have Christ as the head, and Paul is now serving a vital function, but he is not independent of or better than the entire body of believers. Christianity is social for a reason, because sometimes other people can, can be living epistles. They can be living, breathing testaments to the power of God working in real life, and that's oftentimes what people need to make it through. We'll stop there at verse number 12 and start verse 13 next week. Any questions? Let's pray. Precious Lord, not only today, but as we look forward to the lessons on Romans that you have in store for us, we ask you to establish us, we ask you to sanctify us, and we ask you to plant your truth deep inside of us so our roots will grow in your truth, our roots will grow in your word, and we will be like trees firmly planted, nourished and fed by your divine illumination and by you, Lord Jesus, the bread of life. So we shall be resistant to changing tides of doctrine and know you Lord Jesus, as the one and only Son of the Most High. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.